Welcome to the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast, brought to you by Jay-Z Microphones. For over a decade, Jay-Z Microphones has combined all the critical elements of world-class microphone manufacturing, patented capsule technology, precision electronics, and innovative industrial design. Jay-Z Microphones' deep understanding of technology is informed by their open-minded, innovative approach. Trust us, sound can be glorious. Recording. For more info, please go to jzmike.com. And now your host, Al Levy. I want to take a second to tell you about something that I am very excited about, and it's the URM Summit. Once a year, we hold an event where hundreds of producers from all over the world come together for four days of networking, workshops, seminars, and hanging out. This industry is all about relationships, and think about it. What could you gain from getting to personally know your peers from all over the world who have the same goals as you, the same struggles as you, and who can help inspire you, motivate you, as well as become potential professional collaborators? This year's summit is on November 9th through 11th at the Las Vegas Westin, which is just one block off of the Strip, and it's going to be even bigger and better than ever. We're anticipating even more producers, plus a lineup of amazing guests like Jens Bogren, Chris Crummett, Machine, Forrester Savell, Michael Legian, Dave Otero, Billy Decker, Chris Adler, Mary Zimmer, Mike Mowry, Jesse Cannon, Blasco, Jason Leckberg, Jesco Lohan, and more. And of course, our musical guest, the one and only Ark Spire. So get your summit tickets now at urmsummit.com, and we will see you in Vegas. Welcome to the Unstoppable Recording Machine podcast. I'm Al Levy, my co-host, John Maciel. Hello. What's going on? Hanging out. We're actually doing one of these in person. Yeah, dude. It's like, I can look you right in the eyes. It's almost like we're doing a voiceover for like a cartoon right now, and we're 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 acting against one another. I know it's weird. This is like podcast improv. It is kind of strange. Yeah, I don't like it. Fuck this. Let's <laughs> go do something else. Uh, so here's another episode of Mix Crit Monday where we're going to talk about Papa Roach mixes that were submitted to us in the Rocktagon, and uh, it's for the song, not the only one. This was an interesting one. This was on Nail the Mix. For people listening in the future, this is August 2019's Nail the Mix. And it's an interesting track because it's like three musical genres in one. Like It's produced like a pop song. It's got elements of dubstep, elements of pop, elements of like, I don't know if to call it punk or like what, like that ending. It's just nasty and heavy and it's just... Lots of different stuff going on. It's not produced like your standard rock, drums, guitar, bass. The way that rock and metal is kind of built is not how this is built. This is built like in layers, the way that pop is created. And so I think it threw a lot of our students for a loop because they're so used to the way that rock and metal is traditionally produced and given to them that they kind of didn't know what to do with this. Yeah, this one was really, really... For me, when you told me we were getting this track and I listened to it, I remember messaging you and being like, this is the hardest song we've ever had on Nail the Mix. And this month has definitely proven that point. And it was really interesting when people saw the announcement, they're like, oh, this sounds like 
pretty simple. They were very, uh, what's the word? Uh, Cocky. Yeah, they were just really confident. Yeah. And listening to these mixes and the Rocktagon post and doing the uh, one-on-one calls this month, it was very evident that it wasn't as easy as I thought it was. There were two things that I thought were really funny. One was when I said what was coming up before I announced it, I said, we have something that like breaks boundaries. I don't remember exactly what I said, but like it's like genre bending, like it definitely breaks through musical boundaries. It, there's stuff in it that's completely unique um, and it was along those lines, and I think that people thought that I was saying that some progressive band was coming on, like, <laughs> like Dream Theater or something. No, what like was it? That. Devin Townsend is. A lot of people thought that this was yeah. that month. Yeah, exactly. They they thought that it was something along those lines because I think that a lot of people think that mainstream music can't be genre bending or progressive or I guess ahead of the curve or whatever, but I actually think that that's the hardest thing to do is to take mainstream music and make it sophisticated and make it like a work of art because you have to do that within the tight confines of what's acceptable. Yeah. So that was number one. That was the first thing I thought was funny was that nobody expected it to be this band when I said what was coming up. And then when they heard it, like you said, they thought it was going to be easy. Like they thought they had this in the bag. Yeah. It was like, I wouldn't, like, you and I would not say this is going to be a challenging month if we legit didn't believe it. Like, it was like, how do you think this is easy? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think every month is challenging if you want to make it sound world class. But this is a whole other level. And so it's it's weird because I don't want to in any way diminish how well other Nail the Mix months have been tracked or produced or like it's in no way a knock on anybody else's artistry. This is just done in a way that's so unique to Colin Britton, the producer, and it's so not normal for heavier music. Yeah, it's, well, you mentioned it jumps genres and Mm -hmm. I feel like one thing you've, spoken about in a previous podcast was if you don't actively listen to different mixes and genres of music when you're handed something like this as like a test mix or something if you don't understand how to actively listen to other genres you're going to bomb it because you have to resonate with the song in front of you but also take all these cool elements from different genres and make it its own thing also in its own right and that's a very like that's a true skill of a, someone who is a mixer that can listen to multiple genres and be like, oh, I understand pop, I understand trap, I understand punk. This all makes sense now. Like, the basic elements are there. Let's knock it out the park. And if you don't actively listen to things outside of your little uh, bubble or niche or whatever you want to call it, something like this seems easy, but then you realize very quickly it's not as easy as it sounds. And a yeah. master makes it sound easy. I think that uh, someone who wants to be a professional mixer or producer should spend a portion of their formative years when they're getting better as a professional listener, uh, just trying to analyze music. I know that I did that. Everyone I know did that. If all you're doing is working on the actual techniques of production, but you're not 
expanding your palate to understand music, like really, really understand music, you're going to hit a wall or a glass ceiling or something. You're going to hit an immovable object uh, once you get handed something that's just slightly outside of your comfort zone. 100%. And even like you were attesting to previous Nail the Mixes, they all have their challenges too. And this one just happened to have four different genres in it. And the other ones, it's like, they do crazy. It's so fun every month this year, or almost for a year now, or a year and a half where every other month changes. And it really, like you said, if you don't get outside of that world, uh, every month it's like a new challenge arises, but that's what makes it fun and fresh is like, you see all these different songs and you're just like, oh, hell yeah. Like bass starts making sense because you you start seeing the little similarity with all these different genres and things. So this was a cool month, but I think we're ready to listen to some mixes. Yeah, so I'm just gonna say that before we get into it and we can't play it on here or we'll get flagged, but you should go listen to the original mix. I think it's very, very important that you have the original mix to reference off of because again, it's so unique that unless you've heard it, you may not understand why we're saying what we're saying. Uh, and it's it'll be very hard to understand what it's supposed to sound like because some of these are just off. And if we're critiquing, like, say, a standard metal song, you don't necessarily need to hear the original mix to know if what you're listening to is good or not, just because you know what you know what metal should sound like, especially if you're a metalhead. But this, because it's its own unique thing that blends genres in a way that's I've never heard done before, you should hear the original. So I would suggest everybody stop listening, go listen to the original, then come back. All right, I, I'm gonna assume that you guys all did that. Let's, uh, let's dig into our first student mix. This is by Bryant Fulton. This is Not the Only One by Papa Roach. Here it goes. I was screwed up. I was angry at the world. I feel like I was a loser. I had a chip on my shoulder then. In a low place. Wishing I was anywhere else but there. On a California highway. I was broke, but I always had time to spare. You know, hard times always come easy, but they never last long. If you feel alone when you're down, just know you're not the only one. You know, hard times always come easy, but they never last long. If you feel alone when you're down, just know you're not the only one. You're not. All right, that was the Papa Roach mix by Brian Fulton, and I'll just read you my notes. I didn't have many, but it was, I think the biggest problem I heard was that the bass was too tubby. Like, 
I think overall, Brian did a pretty good job. Like there are a lot of elements of this that sound like a rough mix of Colin's mix, and that's good. I was actually talking to Colin, to Colin Britton, the producer, the mixer of this, yesterday, and he said that when he went into the Roctagon, he heard some mixes that just sounded like a rough version of his, and that to him was really, really good. He wouldn't expect anybody to match his because they're probably not working with $50,000 worth of gear and having Ted Jensen mastering and all that. But he gave very specific instructions at the beginning of the month about how to go about mixing this. And so for it to sound like a rough mix of Colin's mix, that means they paid attention, which is great. Uh, so, But I will say that I don't really think that this one hits hard enough I think it's because the low end's not very tight. It's just kind of tubby. It's the low end of the kick and the bass guitar. And I just don't feel like it explodes into the outro. So I'll say pretty good job, kind of tubby, not very explosive. What do you think? Uh, Yeah, I think the balances were kind of weird in the transitions. The bass, for me, in the beginning was tubby. It wasn't tight. But then when the heavier sections came in, or as things were building up, the bass kind of disappears to me. Like, I can feel the essence or hear, like, the sub stuff, but the actual, like, note and representation of the bass just gone. And then I noticed, too, on the well, I feel courses, like it was getting swallowed. Like, yeah. The, like, the, the note was getting swallowed by the tubbiness. <laughs> the tubbiness came after, like, yeah. uh what is it, Pac-Man? <laughs> Basically. Uh, Busted through a wall. Yeah. And then uh, when the chorus hits with everything, I felt like the mix just started to distort and sound really weird. And then all the transitional layers were just not used to create the transition. So it was like static jump to each section for me, which was really strange. And I do think he did listen to the notes and he probably did what I heard many people do this month, which was they oversaturated and didn't tastefully saturate. And I think that's where the distortion came in in the chorus when all these layers were then hit with saturation, all of a sudden those those harmonics just build up and then the mix is like distorting. And then when everything goes away, it cools off again. But saturation is very dangerous if you don't know how to be uh, you know, gentle with it. And that's really all the stuff I heard on Brian's. Well, what's interesting is that Colin did say to use saturation on this. He, I remember he said, distortion is your friend, I believe, in one of the comments. But you're right, it can be dangerous, and I think it's very easy to overdo it, especially when it's on multiple elements. It just has this cumulative effect to where you're no longer saturating, you're distorting and destroying. And there's a fine line, and I think you kind of got to understand where that line is and be listening for that, possibly automating for that, too. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, depending on the arrangement. All right, let's move on. So this one is by Dakota Caldwell. I was screwed up. I was angry at the world. I feel like I was a loser.
the mix of Not the Only One by Dakota Caldwell. I think the snare balance sounds strange. Like, uh, I feel like I'm hearing the wrong snares too loud. And again, like we said, this song is built up in layers. It's not like one snare mic going from start to finish. Every single sound is made up of a bunch of little sounds that are supposed to be blended properly. Um, and so I think that some of the blends here, especially the snare, just kind of weird. I'm not hearing the really melodic bass lines in the verse. Like one of the things that was really cool in this verse is that there's this counterpoint that happens with the bass guitar where it has, it'll play these runs that are just really, really interesting. I didn't hear them at all. In some ways, they help really make the the verse. And then when the chorus comes in the low end, it's just overwhelming and straight up jarring. Like it, it destroys the mix. It's just too much. It's just way too fucking much. Uh, I don't want to hear the entire mix disappear the moment that the low end of the chorus comes in. And then when it goes to the heavy ending, I, I'm kind of going section by section because there's so many, like we said, genres in this. Then the heavy ending... There's way too much piano in it. It's supposed to sound nasty. Like, it's supposed to sound like this, like, punk rock metal thing that's just raw and gross in the best way. But the way it sounds with the piano that loud, it sounds like blues rock. <laughs> like, not some, like, nasty punk metal hybrid, but, like, that blues rock that you hear in 80s action movies in like the opening scene or when they walk into like some biker bar or something. Like I hate blues rock so much. I just, <laughs> I just hate it. So like, I can't tell you how much I hate it. And so I just hear that piano and it's so like, I'm not saying get rid of the piano. Obviously it's there for a reason, but listen to the original. That piano is totally just a texture. It, it's not like, it's not the main instrument. So turn that piano down watch those lows and also clean up your tracks. I feel like like I was hearing noises in the gaps all over the place. It could be because the compression was just blasted, but regardless, clean up your tracks. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have all the same notes, but one thing I want to add is like you hate the, blues rock too. For, no. <laughs> No, blue, um, blues is cool. Whoever's listening that loves blues, blues is cool. Actually, just kidding. I really don't care about blues either. <laughs> um, but I have sub buffet written down for a, sub buffet for the chorus and the rock parts, like you mentioned. And it's like there's <laughs> like so, all you can eat. Subs. <laughs> yeah, all you can eat sub man. Uh, it was it's gnarly because like I didn't hear any bass for pretty much all the intro and the verse and buildup. But then when the rock part hits, all of a sudden it's like subnation, just like <laughs> pushing it down. And I'm like, what's happening right now? Like, where was that before? Cause they're these tracks I've gone through them. Do you have every section has drums and it has bass. And the cool part is there's five layers to bass and it's there for a reason. You need to blend and get a healthy 
bass line going throughout the whole song through the sections. Think of the bass as like the concrete that you're going to build this house on. Like that's a constant. It shouldn't change. The articulation of the no fundamentals should. And this track is just like no bass, then so much subs and bass, and then no bass again. It's like it was just super jarring and distracting to listen to. It's um, almost like when you're listening to someone's iPhone video of a concert. Yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. like. <laughs> Like, what the hell is going on? Why did you record this? Yeah, yeah. Or the, have you ever watched one of those? What, I mean, it's track, but when it's like the audio is like that and then there's like a dip in audio for a second and then yeah. it's back and you're like, what the hell? Like, what happened? For that? Now I want to know like their story. But anyways. Uh, that happens. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, and yeah, I do feel like this one was compressed in a weird, really weird way because that pumping is so, it was, when you're compressing tracks like this that are so well done, it's, Almost like this song to me, Colin was really great with all the notes he gave. Like I legitimately was like, he's giving you guys the blueprints. Like it's your job to kind of build the house now because it's all there. And that was, you know, a lot of information. You saw the notes too. It's like he used this saturation. He posted a video of the Neve settings, and it's like you see, there's not really much being done. So why are you adding this much compression to a song that already sounds great? At this point, you're adding like your challenge in the Roctagon was to do balance. Like, use the automation to bring the elements and the dynamics into the song. Yeah, have, like, your bus compression and other things, but hitting a compressor as hard as this one was being hit or whatever was going on was just like, dude, you got to know when to, like, You got to chill. Yeah. So turn turn that throttle back. You know what I'm saying? Like, cool those jets. Automate that threshold, bro. Um, But, yeah, that's... Really, the notes I have on it was where was the bass and so much sub and consistency. Again, I feel like that's going to be a common thread that we talk, uh, theme that we talk about today is just consistency. You know, Colin did the heavy lifting, the production, and he pointed that out too in his notes. He took the time to get the sounds that he was really looking for, and you can hear it in these tracks. Um, in and so that's why his instructions were that when you're mixing this, first, just try to get the balance right. And from there, once you get the balance right, just a little tweaking, uh, maybe a little saturation, a little bit of this and that. But because he did all the heavy lifting tone-wise, you don't need to try to shape it. And people just did not listen to what he was saying. And I feel like should ask yourself if this went to some big shot mixer and the big shot mixer like I don't know like Andy Walls or something like some some heavyweight he's a famous like blues mixer <laughs> I don't know I wouldn't know any of them but no seriously if this went to some heavyweight and they talked to Colin about the production um, and do you think that that heavyweight would then try to totally recreate this thing or he would try to work with what he's been given to maximize it. I have a feeling that obviously everyone's different, but that if this went to a heavyweight, first of all, they'd be really relieved that so much work went into the into the production. And then they would just try to make what they were given sound as even and awesome as possible without without destroying the essence of it. I think people need to have a little more respect. So, all right, moving on. This is by John Carl. Yeah, I got demons. 
so does everybody else When it's cold we turn the heat up Just to feel what it's like in hell Tired of everybody preaching That ain't doing shit for themselves Talking to me like I need it Maybe cause I said that I needed help I was not expecting that. Uh, <laughs> and I guess I got to say I respect this because it's a totally different take on the song. And I guess my only main issue is that I don't feel that things harmonically resolve in a pleasing way. Again, I really do respect John Carl taking this in his own direction. And I think overall it sounds pretty good. But, I mean, there's some problems like the vocoder sounding harmonies and the chorus are a bit distorted. But still, this is one of those times where I really would say E for effort and mean it, like in a non-condescending way, because uh, I was not expecting it. It was refreshing, but I would put time into the harmonic resolutions. There's nothing wrong harmonically, but what was emphasized just didn't have the payoff I was looking for. Like, if you're going to go that far to change it and do your own thing, go all the way. Yeah. I feel like it was harmonically... It didn't go all the way, so you got to the chorus, and it wasn't like the chorus. Like, I knew it was the chorus because I know the song, but it wasn't... I feel like if I had heard this on its own and not heard the original, I would have been wondering if this was now the chorus. Yeah, this one... So I wasn't expecting this one either when it got picked. So it was very interesting. Um, Man, I've got to be honest, like... I think part of what you're talking about is like, okay, this to me just sounded like a bad 80s remix like type of like thing. I didn't, a lot of these I, I can, sounds. I can hear that. Yeah, a lot of these sounds, like I can hear where they were inspired from, but it was like, it. Uh, you just said, if you're going to do it, commit. This just sounds like kind of lazy where it wasn't taking the full route. And if you're going to take tracks like this and you're going to take Colin Britton's tracks and Papa Roach's tracks and you're going to remix it or take it your own direction commit and really yeah. do it well and like if you're gonna be this ballsy fucking do it like don't have own, acid own it yeah like this just sounds like oh I'm gonna try something and see it's like no you've gotta go all the way otherwise it's kind of like an insult to the, the artist cause if you go on Spotify and you were to listen to a remix of a track and a lot of us have done it when you hear one that you can tell has been half assed you're like dude why'd you even bother like yeah, go for it. Like I wanted, we, I gave you thirty seconds of my time. Go for it. Don't just like get to the chorus and like you said, what's happening? Like why isn't it doing that thing where I I want that excitement, that vibe. Um, you don't want if you're gonna if you're gonna take something that was crafted this well and basically throw it out and do your own version. Uh, you don't want people to hear it and be like, nice try, kid. 
whatever. You don't want people to have that reaction. You want people to be like, whoa, holy shit, what the hell was that? And whether they love it or hate it, you want to leave a real strong impression, but not nice try. Yeah. And that's kind of what I feel like. It's like when nice you... Nice try. Yeah, like a remix or a cover, when they do exactly what you just described, where you're like, damn, like maybe it wasn't your favorite track, but you respect that, you know, mm-hmm. like they committed. So it's, yeah, if you, anyone listening or whatever, when you're going to do something like this and take your own liberties, you better knock it out the park. Otherwise, just don't even attempt it because, or if you do... Listen to your listen to it yourself. Have your friends listen, but I don't know. For me, this was kind of like I was like, "Damn, wow!" Like, at least go for it. Like, if you're gonna do a ska part in a ska song or a blues part in a blues song, commit, do it. Just gonna take a quick break, and I promise it's gonna be quick, but it's important. I need to remind you guys, so please forgive me. This episode is brought to you by the URM Summit. Four days of networking workshops, seminars, and hanging out with your URM friends and dozens of the industry's best pros. It's November 8th through 11 at the Las Vegas Westin, and tickets are available right now at urmsummit.com. All right, back to the episode. You know, I think a perfect example is uh, Marilyn Manson's version of Sweet Dreams because, yeah, it's a cover, so of course it's going to be different, but he totally adapted it to his style, and it sounded... 100% 100% authentic to his style. Um, people should go back and listen to that. It was what made him famous. And, you know, he had a really good song to begin with, but he 100% made it his own. There was nothing half-assed about it, and that's why it worked so well. And the reason I'm the Marilyn Manson one came to mind was because I was trying to think of, when have I heard a cover that was, like, really different than the original Mm -hmm. but that was super impressive not just like a death metal version of a britney spears song like everyone used to do in 2005 like where like what's a cover i've heard that artistically stands on its own but is nothing like the original that marilyn manson sweet dreams is one and i think that's the right way to do this um yeah like arguably I would even say it could be put up there as better than the original. Could or be, like, yeah. And the Atari's, uh, what is it, that cover they did, The Boys of Summer or whatever it was, of the original. Like, that song is a cover, and it's arguably as good as the original track. And it's like, yeah, if you're going to do it, do it. Don't yeah. just half-ass it. So, yeah, that's all the notes I got on that one. All right. This one is by Justin Jackson. I was screwed up. I was angry at the world I feel like I was a loser I had a chip on my shoulder then In a low grade Wishing I was anywhere else but there On a California highway I was broke but I always had time to spare You know hard times always come easy But they never last long If you feel
You just heard Justin Jackson's Papa Roach mix. Here are my notes. Zero low end. And like, I can't tell if something's out of phase or not, but usually when things have that little low end, some there's some weird phase shit going on. And also because I get that weird feeling between my eyes that happens <laughs> when things are really out of phase. You know what I mean? Like, it kind of feel like you're... You're getting attacked physically between your eyes. Um, it sounds very. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It's just this weird feeling. It sounds very mid heavy and pinched. The balances are all weird. So weird in the chorus. Like there's like this weird symbol just clanging. Just like clang, 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 clang. <laughs> and like it's, it's so. Okay. So the thing about this track that's so easy to fuck up is that because it's done in layers a lot of these layers don't really sound great on their own they're totally just su supposed to be textures and or touches or not they're not all supposed to be out front like that and so yeah there's like clang 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 the vocal effects are all over the place like they're so loud way too loud, distracting. Now you'll hear a vocal, and then you'll hear a delay that's louder than the vocals. And the thing is, in Colin's mix, you can hear the delay throws, but they're not louder than the lead vocal. Uh, also, it's inconsistent between the parts. The verse sounds bigger than the pre-chorus. Like, it actually gets smaller in the pre-chorus, which it's not supposed to, because if you listen to the arrangement of this song, it's a buildup. It starts with an acoustic guitar, then the electric comes in, those drums come in, then like the bass and like shit comes in and it gets bigger and bigger. Then it goes to that pre-chorus, it's even bigger, and then the chorus is massive. But this is going in the opposite direction. It starts small and then gets smaller. I don't understand how that's possible. And the chorus comes in and yes, it's bigger, but it's distractingly bigger. Like. Like, it doesn't make any sense bigger. Like, we're listening to two different mixes bigger. And the drums get loud, but the vocals stay the same volume as before. So it's like, yes, the mix gets bigger, the drums get louder, but then if you have the vocals at the same volume as when it was quiet before, like, it's just discombobulating. And then the voc low vocal comes in, and it's louder than everything else. So balance, that's like the key word here. Balance, work on balance. And let me just say, it loses all power when it goes to the end. And you got that blues rock shit happening again. Like the piano is just way too loud. So uh, I would give this one a redo. Yeah, I want. I just want to make a note that I'm going to go back, get that clinky clink sound that you made and make that a ringtone. <laughs> um, that was phenomenal. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one for me, the vocals were so or like were super muddy too. Like, I don't know what was happening with the vocals, but the here's the weirdest part is there was like a cloud of just fogginess in the mids, and I couldn't understand where it was coming from because I was it attacking you between the eyes. It was attacking me not in between the eyes. Like it's just like it just like slapped me in the face. Like 
you know when you wake up and you're like groggy and trying to like get through like oh I'm waking up the moment it was like that in a mix basically I'm like what is how is it I don't understand where this cloud came from because I've heard these tracks there's nothing that would create this masking or whatever's happening so it was, that was weird um then the sub in the rock when the rock stuff come in it just gets really Disco- like yeah, discombobulated is like the best word to describe what was going on with the rock section. I was really surprised, and there's just a weird pump in compression or something throughout the entire mix. It's really rough, honestly. Yeah, I gotta. This one's like the first one where I'm like, just redo it. Um, oh man, it's like I want to kind of talk about this. I think we need to talk about everyone who feels like they know how to balance and gain stage. This track to me took all of them to school in the best way possible of showing like it's very easy to think you have it when you've done similar rock genres. But here we are with the track that bounces around. If you don't understand how to get a balance of a drum that sounds consistent from one section to the next bass again, you're not going to have a good foundation for your mix. And it doesn't matter what other like the guitars aren't guitar guitars until the rock part hits. They're more like pop layers where they're doing little things to excite the mix for the transitions and but they're not the meat and potatoes like like in rock exactly so if you don't know how to balance and or gain stage properly this song is going to escape you and it escaped a lot of people and it just proves to me that not everyone should be as confident in balancing as they think they should be and it's okay um it's not the most attractive thing I don't think it, it for me starting balancing is never fun but when I get a good rough balance and it sounds sick I'm excited cuz I know that every move that I make afterwards is going to be great and assisting Bo and getting the mixes like balanced to a point where I know he's going to be happy and then seeing how he takes it to the next level that that's the payoff that's worth it so take more time balancing like it's not exciting at first but it the reward is so worth it and if you have to balance for two, three hours, balance for two or three hours because the end result puts you that further ahead uh, than anyone else. I mean, if you don't do it, good luck getting a good mix. Yeah. Anyway, it's kind of essential. Yeah, we have a balanced fast track. If you're not a member of URM Enhanced, I would like to give you a free month of it, Mr. Justin Jackson, so that you can work all the way through to our balanced fast track and get that in your head. Um, because it's needed. So just hit myself up or hit Maciel up. But yeah, free month of URM enhanced for you. So just so nobody says that we just like to talk shit. No, we want to help you get better. Balance is the, the way and the light. All right, next. Man, I don't know how to pronounce this name. Per eine Volte. Here it goes. I was screwed up. I was angry at the world I feel like I was a loser I had a chip on my shoulder then In a low place Wishing I was anywhere else but there On a California highway I was broke but I always had time to spare
I'll just call him P.E.W. That was P.E.W.'s Papa Roach mix. The vocals are so loud compared to the drums in the intro. So loud. There's like barely any drums and then just vocals. And I get it. Vocals need to be loud in this style of music, but the, there's like no nothing driving. Those drums need to be driving. The vocals are also pushed way too hard. Like I can hear every little inflection and breath and not in a good way in that intro. Like I'm hearing every little thing going on in dude's throat and I'm not, I don't want to. Um, and then the pre-chorus comes in and the vocals are still way too loud. And but and I'm not hearing that subtle buildup of the guitars and the bass. I brought this up earlier that this whole beginning of the song is a buildup. Like it goes from acoustic, and then it adds the electric, and then bass, and then more layers and more. And I'm not hearing that buildup, and and it's so important. If you listen to the original, there's a definite buildup in the arrangement. Then there's no power in the chorus. Very little low end. So. That kind of weirded me out because, you know, when the chorus comes in, in one of the other mixes, it was too loud, like discombobulating. On this one, it's just no power in the chorus, and so it's not doing what it's supposed to. And then what's even stranger is that after the chorus, the verse comes back in and it's louder than the chorus. So it's just the energy is off. The transitions are off in this song. You're not getting... We never talk about this, but the energy balance, right, between the sections, like the energy needs to be managed on a song like this. And you can't have a verse, like a soft verse, that's more intense than this chorus. This chorus is meant to be massive sounding. Like, I don't think that... uh, P.E.W. was really paying attention to the dynamic energy in this song. And, uh, however, I do think he got the energy right going into the ending. It was the first time I heard the ending done pretty well. So, good job on that. It explodes into it like it should. Like, that ending should be the nastiest, most explosive part of the song that comes out of nowhere and just, like, ends it with, like, teeth i don't know how else to say it and it does that so good job with that yeah the outro is probably what he's comfortable in because i yeah you can tell yeah um and what was funny about this track this month was i could tell like the rock sections and a lot of the mixes i heard were always like okay and everything else was always off and it was like really fascinating because i was like you, I can tell everyone's a rock mixer. <laughs> like this is just what you guys are comfortable with, and it's that's fine, that's cool. But everything else matters too. And I'm glad you brought up the whole feel and energy because it's so. That's part of like the balancing and the transitions in this song. Like this song is so well orchestrated. It's so the movements, the fade ins, the special little synths that are in there. Those all carry emotions to the vocal and what the song is doing. And it's like if you balance those right, the that feel is kind of there for you and the rest then you're just there to like take it over the edge um part of the like the vocal issues i feel like this is a listening environment or something type of thing it just sounds too weird to me to not be um pew if you can reach out to me on facebook john maciel and i want to find a little bit more about your listening environment and what's going on because this one just i just feel like you need a little bit of um help and that's what we're here to do. So reach out to me and let's have a conversation. Well, you might be right because 
and not just the vocals being way loud, the the buildup and the arrangement in the beginning being totally missed and not being like it didn't have any of that in there somehow. I think that maybe he just really isn't hearing levels right. I think you're right about that. Yeah, well, if he's used to mixing rock, it would make sense that in, even in a bad environment, if you're used to a certain style of music or mixing a certain way, you kind of know where things sit. But yeah, when you have a very dynamic arrangement, that's where like the room or headphones can really start messing up your whole uh, game, essentially. All right, next one is by Simon Siginolfi. Hope I got that right. I was screwed up I was angry at the world I feel like I was a loser I had a chip on my shoulder then In a low place Wishing I was anywhere else but there On the California highway I was broke but I always had time to spare That was Papa Roach Mix by Simone Siginelfi, and the acoustic sounds almost lo-fi in a weird way. Weird mids, almost lo-fi, but the drums aren't tight enough. Like, if you listen to the original, you hear that those intro drums are very tight sounding, and they're just kind of, like, flubby. Uh, however, I will say they did capture the buildup of the instruments right, and most people did not. So this one builds up the way it should. Props to that, because that means that he actually listened to the song and paid attention uh, to how it's how it's supposed to feel energy-wise. So good job with that. However, I do think the balances are weird in the pre-chorus. Like, so I feel like we've talked about mixes like this before, where maybe it's not a very good mix, but you could tell that artistically there was an understanding. I forget which month we. I think that was Rivers of Not Neil or. Uh... Is that Rivers of Nile? Yeah. Was it that? I think it feel. I feel yeah, like the it, saxophone song. Yeah, because yeah, there was someone. It sounded like a producer mix, but it, the the feel was right. Yeah, yeah, it was not a technically good mix, but it was artistically in the right direction. Uh, I feel that way about this one, at least for the beginning of the song. Um, and so now I just think that needs to work on actual balance and technical issues. But overall, the direction is good. Until the chorus, and it's out of control in the low end. Out of control. But I will say this, at least it's bigger than the pre-chorus. So, like, (laughs) you know, it's not getting smaller than the pre-chorus. Like, good. It's going in the right direction. And it's not so loud that it sounds like an iPhone at a concert or something. Like, it's going in the right direction. It's just got to get that that bass under control. Got to get that low end under control and got to, you know, fix the balances, learn how to control low end better. Um, And I'm hearing way too many noises in the spaces, uh, which again tells me that compression or saturation or whatever is just jacked. Uh, 
So either clean up the tracks more, get the compression under control. Good transition into the ending. So, and that that's another thing is, I didn't feel like too many of these mixes transitioned into the ending well. This one did, and uh, that kind of fits with the with what I've been saying, that I think that he understood the way that this song is supposed to flow energy-wise. However, the low end on that ending is unruly, but I think we'll survive. I don't think this is a redo. I think this is a tweak. What do you think? I don't think I'll survive. You uh, won't survive? <laughs> uh, Condolences? Yeah, yeah thanks. <laughs> All right, so for me... Um, okay, so this one was... The balancing was off, but it wasn't off in the sense of like uh, the parts transitioned and made sense. Mm-hmm. I think the bass was part of why the transitions got like, or the parts got weird. Is the bass was buried in like the first part, and then the chorus and the rock section it gets a little bit better. I think if he would have spent a little bit more time on that and gain it really locked in, he would have been in a great place. And that noise sound that you are describing in the gaps is there in the entire song though. And I think he probably read Colin's notes and added like some tape emulation on everything. And that shit is just building up. And when those clean sections happen, when you guys have tape plugins on, it's really crucial to automate to turn them off or mute your tracks. Otherwise, you get that sound in the between. And there's nothing worse than having a really cool sounding mix or something that's working. And then you have that weird sound in the background and you're just like what the hell is that and that's on the whole time too yeah it's like a layer of just just a layer of dirt yeah it's good dirt though I mean it's like putting mud on your face I'm just, but <laughs> uh, but yeah I think there's like I think he has tape emulation or something going on and then yeah you have there's definitely some compression going on so that brings the noise floor of that up as well um, I feel like the guitars were a little weird in the chorus not like crazy weird but there was just like some weird mid-range thing and again I think there was some saturation or something on play on like a guitar bus or something um, vocals in like the low mids to me were kind of off I feel like they could have used some thickening up with like Saturn or something um, but other than that that's out of today's I feel like this is one of the ones where I feel like if he had another good like day or two he could get into a good spot and maybe some feedback like we're Providing now. If he would have had a one-on-one, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it would yeah. have been good. Uh, do you know, Simone? Like, have I, you guys spoken before? I do not know. This is the first time I have seen this name that I know of. Why don't we give him a month of Enhanced so he can get that one-on-one? All right, cool. Because I feel like, you know, with the other one, I just feel like the balance was so off that it's kind of like a rescue operation. In this case, I feel like the art side of it is so pretty much right that I want to help get him over the hump. Yeah. Really. Or at least ident- help him identify what the technical problems are so that it can uh, it can be dealt with. Because I feel like the hardest thing to get right is the art side of this. And that's the thing that the, f- the fewest number of people tend to understand. Um, because it's just real hard to teach that. Um, but the technical side, that can be taught, and that's that's where this goes wrong. So I so already got the part you can't teach figured out. That's great. So we'll help try to get him over the hump. Cool. Yeah. Hit one of us up, man, and we got you. Yep. All right. 
it's been grand. We'll do this again uh, with a Flesh God Apocalypse. That one's going to be fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, kind of like you said, every month we do something different. Flesh God Apocalypse is like the most intense, brutal orchestral metal on the planet. Totally opposite of this. I don't think there's ever been orchestra like this on an LMX either. No, there hasn't. Yeah, that and then like super crazy double bass. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, the, it's at 270 BPM. Yeah. It's fast. Yeah, it's going to be That's awesome. That's it? That's all it's at? Yeah, it's pretty slow. Oh, isn't that considered like a ballad speed for this type of music? You know, it's funny. When I was playing it, 270 was considered really fast. Mm, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think for, this song's from 2010. So I think for 2010, 270, it was just blazing. Oh, all right. Well, times have changed, man. Yeah, our, <laughs> our, our spire happened. Yeah. <laughs> all right. No, it's fast. All right, I'll talk to you then. The Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast is brought to you by Jay-Z Microphones. For over a decade, Jay-Z Microphones has combined all the critical elements of world-class microphone manufacturing, patented capsule technology, precision electronics, and innovative industrial design. Jay-Z Microphones' deep understanding of technology is informed by their open-minded, innovative approach. Trust us, sound can be glorious. Recording. For more info, please go to jzmike.com. To ask us questions, make suggestions, and interact, visit urm.academy and press the podcast link today.